Trista, how we doing? I'm good. Am I good? Is everything working? All right, good. Good. As I was saying before you got in here, um, I'm down to take as many questions as we can get to today. Um, We already got my first one in the queue from my producer, Zach Nadu. But before we before we take Zach, how you doing, dude? How's life? We're a week out from the draft. How we feeling? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about your producer, Zach. How is he feeling? No, no, no. He's I still feel, in the queue. He's still I in the feel, queue. I see, I see. I'm good. I'm good. I feel good, man. I'm, uh, I'm in, in the heat of, uh, in the thick of beef with the Warriors media, um, who have reinvigorated my, my hate for Bay Area media members that are essentially fanboys with microphones. So that's kind of where we're at right now. They're like okay. slandering Windhorse. They're saying he's irrelevant. And they act like they didn't actually buy Andrew Wiggins with the money that they spent originally on Kevin Durant. Kind of, kind of wild. Just a, kind of a wild 24 hours, honestly. So you are public enemy number one in the Bay Area, and I am public enemy number one in Toronto. In Canada. In Canada, yeah. probably. There we go. How does it feel for you when people, when you know there's an entire fan base, it's like, yeah, fuck that guy. Honestly, the two things that I really only think about it are I've had some pretty nasty shit in my DMs, and it's just been, like, generally upsetting that – I mean, I'm not really, like, paying much mind to it, but the fact that that vitriol has happened um, uh, just about uh, – you know, this is a game at the end of the day. Like, I'm not trying to trivialize anything because I do make my living off of talking about basketball. Like, I get it. This stuff's important. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. But, like – People take this shit so personally. Like, yeah. And, and it's been disappointing to see this in like general state of humanity. Um, how mean people are, man. It is It is tough. They love OG Ananobi, I guess. They just love him. Um, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to put out the tweet. Come ask us your NBA offseason questions. Um, yeah, and I think also like Scotty Barnes, I know he's a rookie, you know, he's just being him and he's being authentic, but like, look, I don't make anything up and he is doing what he thinks he's got to do to defend a teammate, but like he's further instigating and encouraging people to send hateful shit my way, which Maybe he's not directly doing that, but, you know, he's basically, uh, you know, saying, you know, this, you know, this guy is sickening. Like, come on, man. He said, y'all talking about my boy wanting a trade. It's sick, bro. It's sick. You got to do better. So we got to really, maybe really... His people, maybe, maybe OG Anunoby's people shouldn't be calling other teams trying to, you know, figure out what his trademark is. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, like maybe. Maybe OG feels like he can be more. You know? I think that the Andrew Wiggins trade that ended up obviously being very successful, not the first one, but the second one, um, is is shows that and, and Steve Kerr's comments, and I actually think about this a lot, not just for basketball players, but for human beings, is that Steve Kerr said everybody in the league can contribute and be an impact player. They just have to be in the right situation for them to shine. And we've seen, you know, Andrew Wiggins as like a fourth option. He becomes the second option when he's really not, when he's in a situation that works for him. He's got Steph. He gets a lot of open looks. He can be aggressive. He can focus on defense. And like, truthfully, I think OG can do more. I would like to see him on the, on the Portland Trailblazers. I know that's where he's been linked to. I don't know necessarily if I want to give up the number seven pick if I'm, if I'm Joe Cronin, but he's a wing that can defend and can put up buckets. All right. Well, we're definitely going to talk a lot of Portland, but Zach is definitely a Mavericks fan. He texted me last night about. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you got, Zach? How you doing, man? Hey, Jake. Hey, Trista. Nice to meet you. I I joined the queue while we were uh, waiting for Trista, Jake. I have my question, but, you know, I don't want to take away from anything else you had planned. Uh, My plan plan is to hope that there will be more and more callers. There's no one lined up after you. I'm disappointed in the 92 people 
we have live in here. Come on, guys. Let, let's get some questions in the queue. Okay. Well, hopefully I can get the ball rolling. I got, I got uh, two, obviously, Mavs-related questions. The first one is a, a quick clarification. Um, so let's report from Bleacher Report. Uh, Eric Pincus, who, who you've had on, on Colin, said that the Mavs may scoff at the asking price for Brunson. But yet, like, he was just on Duncan Robinson's podcast, which sounded like he's going to come back. Like, Cuban said what he said. It You know, Mark Stein last night on the Mavs Spotify Live was saying, like, it's almost, like, expected he's coming back. Can you provide any clarity? Like, if you're a Mavs fan, just like how you had said with Levine, you can expect him back. Can you expect Brunson back, or is it really a question mark? It's not a question to me. Um, it's definitely not a question to people I've been talking to about this since the combine. Mavs people have been pretty confident about this from the from the jump, especially as they made a strong Western Conference Finals push. Sure, is he going to be way more expensive than the Mavericks would like him to be? Yeah, I mean his number is going to be over twenty million dollars AAV. It's probably going to be close to a hundred. Might be over a hundred. And I believe they offered 460, uh, right? Um, yeah. In the uh, early stage of the you know extension talks last off season, um, so yeah, that's a big difference. But I mean, they're glad. I think they'll be glad to keep this guy that is the you know immaculate vibes guy. And obviously, he did what he did in the postseason when Luca was out. I think they fully feel like he is an optimal. Uh, backcourt compliment to Luca. I I don't expect that he's going to go anywhere else. Some people certainly still think the Knicks got a shot, but I I mean everyone that I talk to is working under the assumption that Jalen Brunson will go back to Dallas. Okay, uh, appreciate. I just needed to hear that. Uh, you're the voice of reason <laughs> for my paranoid Mavs fandom, so I'll take your word for it and not worry too much about that. Um, last question is: see, we got people joining the car queue. Um, just the Christian Wood trade in general, could you shed some light on, you know, it's this is an open-ended question, and obviously if Trish has anything to contribute as well, like the thought process behind it, what the Mavs are thinking, what the Rockets are thinking, the outlook, just any perspective at all you have about the trade uh, and further implications, like if the Mavs are will be able to make a move. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago you said you expect the Mavs to make at least one move in the offseason season. Like, if you could this just, oh, yeah, yeah, open-ended, like, what's next for the Mavs? What exactly went down for this trade? Um, so, I mean, the things I do know are, one, and I wrote it on my notebook that came out Tuesday, the Mavs were not looking to keep this pick. Um, they were looking to trade it to punt salary commitments. Um, and ultimately, if they weren't able to move it, everyone was pretty much expecting them to pick someone like a draft and stash guy. Um, and people were already starting to people from other teams, people picking behind Dallas were trying to figure out um, who those draft and stash potential like European dudes were going to be. Um, so I, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I believe it's like a hundred thousand dollar difference between Christian Woods contract and the aggregate of all those other um all those other deals that they sent out. Um, he definitely adds another front court dimension to that rotation there. Um, you know, for, for Houston, I think the Rockets bought him at the time, and not to get too acidy, but they bought him pretty low um, in terms of like contract value, but also where he was considered to be like talent wise in the league off of a, a pretty good season in Detroit. You know, the years, I'm not even going to try to guess what year that was based off of all the COVID stuff. Like, it's just so hard for me to keep track of 19, 20, 21, 22. I, I think it was, I think it was 20 because he, or the breakout year was 2019 because he briefly yeah. played with Harden. So that would have been two seasons ago. Yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely someone they thought would be potentially like on a, on a market value deal below market value deal next to Harden before he like, they, like before he left, they were definitely trying the Rockets to build uh, an upstart, you know, retooled contender around him. You know, they had a deal on the table at the draft. I remember in 2020, I think I reported this a couple of times now, but to send PJ Tucker to Minnesota for a first round pick. And like, they turned that down because they wanted to keep PJ at the time um, Mm. to try to keep building around James. So at this point, like, 
Christian, uh, I'll be honest, he's got a checkered value around the league. Um, he's not someone that I think is known to be to be the most consistent player, right? Um, and there's other uh, question marks, I'll say. Um, but ultimately, like, the talent's undeniable. And I think Houston, you know, they just – I mean, his next contract's going to be interesting, right? Like, I'm sure his represent, representation is going to try to get him something like 20 AAV. So if that's the case and you don't really think he fully is worth that for your situation, like, they're probably going to end up taking one of Paolo Bonchero and Chad Holmgren. That's what, you know, everyone around the league is pretty much expecting how the draft to fall. You know, if you can, if you can get a legitimate first-round pick back for him right now, think that's the calculus for for Houston. Tristan, do you think it was like a solid move by Dallas? And what do you think is Christian Woods uh, upside next to Luka Doncic? I think the upside is is pretty good if Jason Kidd can get Christian Wood to play defense. I think that's the one thing that we all know he's sort of suspect on. I have a really hard time evaluating what Christian can do because he's been playing for Detroit and for Houston. Like he was supposed to play with James and then everything went wrong. And then they went fully into the rebuild and he really doesn't match the timeline. So if I'm Christian Wood, do I really want to like try hard for a team that's legitimately going to ha- win like 18 games? Like probably not. I'm curious though, because I've heard, I saw a tweet last night that um, where it was like agents around the league with uh, lottery picks obviously Bancaro, probably the number one person that they're talking about are, were concerned about their player playing with Christian Wood. Why is that true? And why? And I've also heard today that like, he's been a good soldier for, for two years in Houston in a really bad situation. He's a high character guy. So I'm, I'm curious about why there's such a disparity between who he is. Um, I, Paolo, and this is something that I'm going to write about probably next week. I don't want to say too much right now. Paolo, though, I believe is not trying to not play in Houston. I, I don't think that's a thing. Um, I believe Paolo Banchero would be pretty happy to be a member of the Houston Rockets. Um, you know, the stuff about Houston I've heard about maybe people not wanting to go there is a little bit more about Kevin Porter Jr. than Christian Wood. I think the only stuff with Christian, and I like Christian personally, I'll be – Canon that I talked to him a bunch for my book and he said some things he probably should have told me about uh getting in a fight with Jalil Okafor in Boston <laughs> um but I always appreciate the honesty um I think only thing with him is like he's a high he's a high volume shooter and not exactly like a playmaker right he's someone who's gonna the ball's gonna stick with and he's gonna I mean I think he has made some strides in that regard I'm not looking at the numbers right now um but um, I think that's really the only thing, especially being that he was going to be in a contract year. Um, yeah. Right. So that might be the only real uh, like answer I could, I could provide to you. Um, all right. We've got Tom in the queue. Tom, p- please feel free to unmute and uh, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Ray. I really appreciate it. You got it. We're open to all calls. All right. Yeah, get some more in the queue, right? Uh, no doubt. Talk a little about OKC and with the rumor with you know Dort maybe being um, in a couple of these trade talks. I kind of want to discuss what his next contract looks like because he kind of has a interesting contract situation here you don't normally see. And then um, you know he can only make a certain amount this year, but then if they pick up the option, he can make much more. Um, next year. So is that something where, you know, we think he's going to wait out his time and, you know, play on his $1.9 million contract if they pick it up? Or, you know, do you think they'll start discussing a contract with more substantial money since, you know, he's only made $6 million since he's been in the league? Well, Trista, as a, as a Portland Trailblazers fan, um, what do you believe uh, – Lou Dort's next contract value should be, and then I'll kind of round it out with uh, what I've been hearing. Man, so I'm looking at what he's making right now. So cheap he's, deal, he's, discount deal. Yeah, discount deal. Um, what is he? Four years, five million dollars. Wow, that's just like a steal. Absolutely a steal. Lou Dort, interesting playmaker, interesting shooting guard, can defend multiple positions. 
Uh, well, seventeen than, points a game this year. People don't uh, can don't shoot the three. Can shoot the three. Definitely has versatility. One of my favorite players, actually, underrated players in the league. I would say probably twelve, ten. That's what I would. That's what I would imagine. I mean, that's I would pay him more than I would pay Anthony Simons. Wow, wow, yeah, that, that's a take right there. It's also funny. I've had rappers fans in my DM saying that my takes are bad. Where, as Tristan knows, uh, I don't really like give any takes publicly. This is just kind of you know what people are saying. It's not. It's not. Right. You're like these aren't. This is not takes. This is just uh, what I'm hearing around the league. <laughs> um, I'm getting a text from producer Zach that I have a lot of questions in the live chat and Zach, um, maybe it's my phone. Maybe I got to update the app, but I feel like we have this issue every week. I don't see any live chat. I, just, I see no messages. Um, I so... only see, I only see two, any heat rumors and any update on the funny Knicks free agency rumor that you tweeted about. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'll, fi- I'll finish this loot door question and then we'll get there. Um, so I think 10, 12 million for Lou Dort is probably going to be too low. I think yeah. 60 is the first number that comes to my head of what I think would be fair. The difficulty in finding a right number is obviously we haven't seen him do any of this recent, like scoring upgraded, you know, production level in a playoff type of environment, not like in the playoffs. I mean, it's even on like a winning team. Obviously he had a great rookie year in that, uh, uh, season with CP3 in the bubble, um, unless that wasn't with CP3. And I, again, I can't keep track of these COVID years. No, that was but, you're right. He had the yeah. thirty point game in Game Seven. I was locking down Harden, and right. the thirty point the game he hit series. what? Like he hit what? Like six of seven from three or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think someone could could definitely convince themselves of trying to make a strong run on him, but especially if. If word gets out that OKC is only offering him ten, I'm sure someone would easily come off the top rope and give him more. Yeah. Um, what's the likelihood of him getting moved? And I called someone from OKC this morning, um, and they were keen on suggesting that if I decided to write about that trade uh, discussion rumor, um, that I should be, you know, keen on saying that Portland is potentially the one who's driving that discussion more so than Oklahoma City. So that's not to say the deal can't happen. Um, right. But, but that makes sense. I also think generally Portland has like, you know, they're just making calls right now. Portland's been linked to Jeremy Grant, to John Collins. Um, uh, you know, OG. Lou as well. Lou OG, yeah, they're taking it all. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's a lot of outgoing calls being made from Portland, from my understanding. Um, And the other thing with OKC, I'll say, is that whenever there's a rumor, like something that, you know, you know, because there's a difference between reporting rumors and reporting things that are being discussed. Um, So my job, I feel like, is to gather up rumors and then to take them to the people who would know and to figure out what's real. Um, so with like thunder rumors, which, you know, rumors get circulated around the league to the point in the chat about what the funny Knicks rumor was. I mentioned this uh, last week or Tuesday night uh, with Eddie Gonzalez, the funny rumor I heard around the combine and in the, in the spirit of the show, please don't aggregate this and saying that I'm saying this is a thing because I verify when I went, when I tried to verify it with Brooklyn people, um, they were. They told me they believed it wasn't true, but the funny rumor was that the Knicks and, and Kyrie had mutual interest. So, like, I get that. I talk. I try to talk with as many people with knowledge that I can. They tell me it's not real, so I don't report it. With Lou Dort, like, or any of these Portland targets, um, you know, those I definitely believe to be. Um, those I, I I really do believe to be like legitimate from Portland side of things. But the other stuff with OKC, like the fact that they want to potentially trade up to try to get Jaden Ivey in addition to the number two pick, or maybe take Jaden Ivey with two, that's the kind of stuff that like will be impossible to verify because OKC ain't gonna you know admit to who their target is ahead of the draft, right? And when it's also you're not getting anything out of them, and when They're it's tough. also yeah, when it's coming up so consistently, 
that's when my antenna starts to go up that maybe it's not true, which is partially how I was able to figure out that Giddy was their pick last year. Because, you know, everyone kept saying James Booknight, James Booknight, James Booknight. This year at, at the Combine, I went on a, a Thunder podcast, and this guy aggregated that I said that the Thunder wanted to trade up for Jeremy Sochan. I did not say that. I said there was a rumor going around the Combine that they wanted to trade up for Sochan, which made me think that that was not the guy they wanted to trade up for, because that's the type of stuff that happens with OKC around this this time of year. They infiltrate. Did you see the the reporting today? Or I don't know what I guess you could call it rumor reporting that uh, the Wizards <laughs> are going to do whatever they can. They are locked in on trying to get uh, either Dejounte Murray or SGA for the number ten pick and maybe something else. <laughs> I'm sure the I'm, I'm sure the Wizards ha- I'm sure the Wizards have a number of players that they would trade the number ten pick for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, you got anything else for us? <laughs> no, thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. I said to myself when that came out, I said, uh, lock in all you want. Like, lock right. in. Lock <laughs> in is, a like it's like that outgoing call thing that you discussed, Jake, where it's like, yeah, yeah, you are you want to go out on a date with Rihanna, but does Rihanna want to date you? <laughs> um, thank you, Tom, for the question. We've got producer Zach back. We're going to see if we can troubleshoot the chat real quick. Zach, help me out here. Hey, Jake. So uh, on your screen, like the top left, if you're in the room, there should be a little down arrow at the top left. If you tap that, it'll like minimize the room uh, on your end. And then there'll just be a banner at the bottom. And then if you re-tap on that, like reopening the room on your Oh, end, I see it. Wow. What a genius. Yeah. I have so, so cool. you know, this is, some, this is something we're working on. This is why I'm in the room to make sure we can monitor this. But we're periodically. We're back, everybody. Yeah, so hopefully you can see all that just periodically if you want to. Re- it's basically just I called refreshing the chat. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, uh, just wanted to let you know because I know people are clamoring to get their questions answered in addition to obviously Arthur and C wanted to ask their questions. So um, I'll, cool. I'll leave it to you from here on out. All right. Thank you, man. That was helpful. We will definitely hit these questions in the chat. Um, oh, I see is, this now. That is the type of honest journalism that we provide here. You know, full full candor behind the scenes, uh, you know, troubleshooting our stuff. All right, I'm trying to bring up Arthur. Arthur is on. Arthur, how you doing? Good, Jake. How are you today? And I uh, just wanted to share, love the book. And first and foremost, as a member of Raps Nation, you are in the good books with us, so don't sweat it. Some people <laughs> just you, get a little bit excited. <laughs> if you come to Toronto, we'll show you a good time. So I just wanted to ask you uh, around someone, the framework. Someone told me the, today if I ever came to uh, is it Air Canada Center now that they would see uh, me in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Don't worry. I, I'm always at the games at Scotiabank Arena, so you're good. See, that's Scotiabank, not even a true fan. They don't even know it's the ACC anymore. So just had a quick question around the um, DeAndre Aiden rumors and potentially Toronto interested as uh, OG being part of the framework, what's what's the likelihood that you see potentially that coming out and seeing if the Raptors are going to be front runners for eight in the summer? Trista, if you're Toronto, what do you think is the outgoing package you'd be willing to to make? Because so to give you a framework, from my understanding from the cap people I, I talk to, if Aiden's getting anywhere like a thirty million dollar deal or a max in the, in the thirties, based on the the base year compensation rule in the CBA. Um, something with like half the salary or ever. So it, it's complicated. I, I know we might, we might not have the numbers, you know, le- legally accurate, but on its face, like, let's say you got to match, you know, X amount of dollars in addition to OG's deal. Like how much, like, what do you think DeAndre is worth for, for the rapper specifically? Or, or maybe you don't think it's worth it at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question I'm looking at. So you're going to ship out OG. He's at 17-4 right now, right? And then you only have really a couple of other guys that you can ship out that make sense, right? You've got – you're not going to get rid of Fred. You're definitely not getting rid of Pascal because the money doesn't work there. You're probably not getting rid of Gary Trent. That doesn't make sense for Phoenix. I mean, there's just – there's not a, a ton there money-wise that I, that makes sense unless you're going to package some – like the chem birches of the world just to make the money work and then give a, a couple of first round picks, right? For, for Deandre Ayton. Wow. So you think multiple firsts in addition to OG for Deandre, at least one, I just, 
it doesn't seem like Aiton for OG is enough if I'm Phoenix. Well, and, and like whatever makes the money work there. Because I, I don't, I'm not a capologist. You're probably going to, what, what are you going to put Precious in that deal maybe? That makes sense. Uh, but there's just not a lot of other players that I'm looking at their cap space right now. And I guess it's not pulling up anybody who is, uh, who's restricted. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to answer the question of the likelihood, Arthur, I think Toronto really is trying to get a big man. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think they know who it's going to be. Um, what they did at the deadline of Goran Dragic and the Raptors fans, Arthur, who are you know really trying to pile on, like to say, oh, well, Jake Fisher also doesn't know anything because he said Goran Dragic was definitely going to Dallas. And then he said that he, uh, they were going to trade him for Christoph Porzingis. Like what the, what the Raptors did, which I reported on pretty consistently with Goran Dragic, is that they originally were trying to see what people would pay to get him. And then they decided to say, you know what? Let's actually look at him as an expiring contract and use our first and see what we can go and buy with him. So they contacted a lot of teams. They contacted the Hawks about Danilo Gallinari and other things. Um, Christos Porzingis in Dallas. Um, I, you know, the list goes on. I'm, I'm blank off the top of my head. There was something with the Knicks with Nerlens Noel coming back and Taylor Horton Tucker in a three-team deal with the Lakers. You get my point. The Raptors, from my understanding, the way they operate is they like to gather a lot of potential opportunities, throw them up, up on a board and figure out which one makes the most sense. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that info from the other side of the team, from the other side of the deal, the other team, it gets mentioned to someone like me. And that's how this stuff, you know, bubbles to the surface. Um, so I do believe that DeAndre is one of the options that they're looking at. I don't have a sense, to be fully honest, who is their top choice. I mean, I think Rudy Gobert and DeAndre, and, you know, I haven't heard that they've looked into Miles Turner of late, but he's definitely someone they called on at the deadline, so I'm just kind of bringing back that data point now. Um, I, I'm sure they're going to look at all those types of guys to figure out which is the most cost-effective way to fill their center spot, which they think they need. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily, like, what every team will be doing in that situation. Like, I think Precious Pascal, Scotty is a pretty interesting, you know, front line, and then, you, you know, bring throw an OG in the mix, like, you got four of those dudes. I don't know. But clearly they – they, I don't know. The Raptors people clearly have some type of design on trying to get a big man, and they've made a lot of calls about it. What about Chris Boucher in that deal too? I'm seeing that he, they, have a, they have a hold on him. So if you were to do OG and Anobi and Chris Boucher, like maybe that would be interesting for Phoenix. Yeah, maybe I- – Again, I don't know the cap specific specifications off the top of my head on what's legal and what's not. Um, yeah. Anytime I write about things like that, I literally I'm sending paragraphs um, of like legalese uh, to people to like have them fact check it to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, so talk off the top of my head, I'm sure I'm getting some legality stuff uh, inaccurate, but you know, we're, we're we're bringing what we can here. Uh, we got C on the line. C, please feel free to unmute yourself. Hey, Thank you for joining. How you doing? So, um, just how – what is going on with the Hawks? Like, uh, <laughs> it was good. I, I seen your article earlier, which was actually enlightening, that you said uh, Travis did try to make some moves at the deadline because, you know, we kind of all thought he was sitting still. But, you know, like, CJ McCollum for that cheap, at least you got to, you know, kick the tires on it. At least he did try they to make calls. Did. But yeah, they definitely that's good did. to hear. That's good to hear. But like, you know, we know like a lot of rumors are going around that you know our front, you know, our front office talks a lot. So you know, it's just everything's rumor. But like, what's real? What can we expect? And just like, just like what's strong? Because you know, we know like Danny Ainge is going to leak what he leaks. But what's real? And what can <laughs> we kind of just like look forward to expecting? Yeah. Well, Trista, I'm gonna ask you this question to kind of set up my response here. What what do you think of John Collins? Because that's I think the biggest linchpin of of Atlanta's offseason being that they were never really on the same page with him for his second contract, dating back to their early bird extended talks. I've kind of mentioned this a few times on this program over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
So, like, do you do you find him, you know, at proper value at five years, one twenty five, like he resigned last year? Ooh, I think he was probably overpaid slightly, um, but ultimately the value has not really been seen yet because let's be honest, it's got to be hell playing with Trey Young. Like they're never, they're. Ne- I'm dead ass serious. Like, your Trey Young's floater is his three pointer is his first option. Floater is the second option. Like, it, it, I mean, he's running everything for himself. The offense runs through him. John Collins isn't getting any plays designed for himself. So you really don't know what he's capable of doing. Um, he's kind of not in the DeAndre Ayton role, I guess, but he's basically getting things through the flow versus anything designed for him. So I have no idea what John Collins can even be because of Trey. And so Travis Schlenk, obviously I said multiple times, like running it back was a mistake. I don't know why I did that. I thought pieces probably needed to move and they felt compelled based on them going to the Eastern conference finals that they needed to bring everybody back. And John Collins being the the number one player that they needed to make a decision on. But no, I, I don't think 125 is, is I, I think that's slightly high. Knowing that the deal would probably include more than just a seventh pick, would you be willing to if, – if I told you Portland is going to move the seventh pick and what they're getting back is John Collins, would you be happy with that? Just like straight up? No, there'd be more involved. But if that was ultimately what the seventh pick brought you back? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be – I think probably slightly more than Jeremy Grant, but it's close. Okay. Because – you know, to really answer C's question, you know, they feel like, I mean, Travis Schlenk basically said this out loud publicly. They kind of have some buyer's remorse, from my understanding, of paying up on everybody after the conference finals run. And I remember going to the combine last year, as the conference finals were still going on, hearing from people around the league that, you know, oh, our friends at Atlanta that we talked to, they're already starting to complain a little bit about how much success we've had preemptively, how much this is going to cost us now, um, which everyone was kind of joking, like, hey, you made the Eastern Conference Finals, like, you know, tough, like, oh, it must be tough to be you. Um, but I think, you know, that's led, that's put them in the situation that they're in now where um, John Collins is, is definitely the player I'm, I'm most expecting to be out the door in Atlanta, just being that they never thought he was – worth that money um and i still think that that, that they're aligned more with trista and that like he's a good player and you know maybe somewhere else um he could have more success but in a trey young team where trey is obviously such a defensive negative with john collins being considered such a defensive negative um it's just that they have they viewed it as a suboptimal pairing or, or piece around trey um, so, so he's the he's the player that I'm expecting the most to go out the door. Um, definitely Clint Capella and Kevin Herter, I would think. If, and if I'm their agent, I'd be telling them to be prepared to get moved too. So do you see Anyeka possibly seriously starting at the four next season? Sorry, you broke up. Did you ask Anyeka? Yeah, Anyeka seriously starting yeah. at the four next season. It seems possible. Um, I know that Hawks fans uh, and a lot of people around the team definitely think he's most optimized as a five, but let's just put two and two together, right? Like if they want to clear minutes for him, but they also want, want to go pursue Rudy Gobert and, you know, have at least made it known in some capacity that they're going to be a free agency landing spot for DeAndre. And then I think like two plus two equals, Onyeka Congo at the four. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I prefer Onyeka, honestly, at the five. But I admit, yeah, it's harder to upgrade that wing position, and it's easier to just go ahead and upgrade that center position. But I honestly yeah. just prefer having him at the five. But all right, thank you. Yeah, man. you got it. It does seem like, for whatever reason, um, not whatever reason, it seems obvious. Uh, he's excelled there. The shooting is not perfect um, for what you'd want as a four-man seems like a lot of people are in that situation and definitely a lot of Hawks fans would prefer to see him at the five. Do you have a potential, do you have a, do you have a take on that, Trista, or, or are you not that moved by uh, Onyekwa Kongu's positional question marks? You know, I actually like Onyeka a lot. Uh, I think he's probably better suited as a small five, but 
defensively as a rim protector. I don't know necessarily if you would say he's on the same level as someone like Rudy Gobert. I'm curious how Rudy Gobert fits into a, a defense where, you know, it's clear that he's got issues defending on the perimeter and how you end up scheming to kind of make up for the fact that him and Trey, you know, don't, don't guard the perimeter very well. Um, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens. But I, I have heard that they like Onyeka more at the four. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm going to run through some questions in the chat because we got my guy Charlie Saturday up next in the call queue, um, and I know he will be patient with me. Um, so heat trade rumors, I have not heard anything specific. Um, they were definitely a team I was expecting to call on Christian Wood um, just based on they've had an interest in him for a while, but obviously he's off the board now. Um, teams are, you know, they are like kind of talking about the Miami – he as some type of boogeyman though, that they've got these four picks and Tyler Hero's deal situation. Could they go out and be a player for, you know, superstar Y or all-star Z, but I just haven't seen that, uh, that scenario unfold. Like you need there needs to be a player who's available and wants to go to Miami where it makes sense. Like, you know, people want to always talk about them with Bradley Beal, you know, to actually make that happen salary wise from my understanding you'd have to send Kyle Lowry back to Washington. And Kyle Lowry is represented Mark, by Mark Borostein, the same agent as Bradley Beal. I really doubt Borostein, who's considered to be one of the best, if not the best, and, you know, more stand-up agents out there, is going to, you know, fight to get his client, Kyle Lowry, the most money in the in the situation that he wanted to be in the most and then send him out the door for his other guy the next year. Um, so I just don't know what the answer to that boogeyman question is, but – that's the rumor that people are like, I mean, other teams are, are kind of waiting to see what Miami's big move is going to be. But um, I guess I'm just saying I am too. Um, do you think, you real quick, Jake, do you think yeah. uh, they're going to pay Tyler Hero? I don't know. Um, you know I, I, that's, that's definitely a situation that I want to ask questions about, um, but I haven't really looked into too closely yet. Um, and there's someone who's supposed to get in touch with me about it that I'm I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting. So I will Pat, hopefully have more on that. Pat Riley's comments did not make me hopeful. Yeah. I mean, there's people who are bearish, let's say, on uh, him finding the money and role that he wants in Miami next year. But I also don't think people are like, readying themselves like you know everyone's ready for deandre Ayton to leave phoenix no one's really talking about tyler here like that at all um charlie saturday in the comments saying the problem is that over half the league is almost always in a bad situation that is true too um answer 99 says he's fairly certain the sharp workout stuff is just a play by Preston to get him dropped to 12 i will say that i have spoken to coaches from multiple teams who have worked um Shade and Sharp out, and they've told me, uh, like, from their opinion, that they were not thrilled by the work. I don't want to say too much to kill a kid, um, but I don't think that's just a, that's not just a rumor that is floating out there. Like, I've I've gotten it from primary sources that they were not, you know, taken by his workout. Um, any new Wolves news from Braun one eight zero nine? Really, no. I mean, there's been some people linked to who, you know, they might want to target. Um, I've heard Kendall Brown repeatedly as someone that uh, is, a, is a Wolves t- draft target at 19, but, um, you know, the the 14 through 30 range right now is going to be a total crapshoot. So people really have no idea what to make um, out of that. Uh, Trista, do you have any thoughts? I mean, the, the Wolves had this big year. It's going to be pretty difficult to surpass it. Um, it's, I mean, Chris Finch, by all, by all accounts, just like did a pretty masterful job taking that roster to the heights that they did. Um, what kind of, I don't know. It's got to be D'Lo, right? It's got to be D'Lo. If, yeah. you're moving, if you're moving on, you're probably moving on from Malik Beasley and, and D'Lo and trying to find somebody that can – show up in, in big moments. The the question that I guess I would have there though, is like, what's the relationship like? And we know that Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo are, are super close. So what does that mean uh, for Cat? Like, would he sign off on that? 
Um, do you have to package D'Lo with somebody maybe more, I guess, impactful, like Jared Vanderbilt or something like that? Um, but I do think D'Lo, when I think about the, the Wolves, and D'Lo is probably the most inconsistent. And he's not a true one. And you've got Ant at two. He's kind of like a combo guard. So if you can yeah. find someone who's more of a, I don't know. I don't know if Ty, somebody like Tyus Jones makes sense, but I think that they need somebody who can play make a little bit better than D'Lo. D'Lo's just on a heat check at all times. And so when he, when he's shooting well and he's hitting, he's awesome. Um, but sometimes he can disappear too. All right. Bring up my guy, Charlie Saturday for anyone listening who wants to call in, Charlie repeatedly brings it every time. This is the type of energy we're looking for. Charlie, there's so many. Right? There's so many comments in here, though. I know. We, this is an audio. This is an audio platform. We're going to try to reward <laughs> the people who want to talk, and we'll, and we'll come. We'll come back it's, to the comments it's true. as well. It's true. It's true. I'm going to do my best to, to live up to that. Um, good to be on with you two again. And just real quick, I got to say, like. Raptors fans, just stop acting like such weirdos. Just rumors are a part of the game. Like, enjoy your summer. Watch some Ken Birch highlights. Chill out, <laughs> for goodness sakes. Um, so I got one for each of you. Jake, uh, during this, like, kind of peak misinformation season, yeah, I'm and you're sussing out all these different rumors, I'm curious who, like, which groups in the NBA ecosystem do you find – the most trustworthy, the most credible, the most straight shooters. When we're talking, everyone, you get your information from coaches, agents, scouts, player, family, friends. Um, who do you, like, on average, kind of feel the most credibility with? And then opposite, who do you find the most slippery and take with the most grain of salt, most grains of salt? Um, great question. Um I mean, it's not easy to just give like a blanket answer because to me, I think this is like what what good reporting entails, not to pat myself on the back. Like it comes down to your personal barometer of like who you can trust or not. Um, and there are definitely people who I will call who I know will tell me the truth about certain things but lie about others. Um, so it's even like, – it's pretty nuanced. Um whether it's a team person say like, Oh, I know like I can never trust them about their team, but I can trust them about other teams or if it's agents trying to, you know, overhype where their guy's going to go. Um, which I don't understand to, to put this on the record. If you're an agent and you know, the realistic range of your, of your client, what I don't, I don't see the benefit to fabricating a, a bigger, range like if you know your guy's going 10 to 14 let's say like why tell uh you know maybe someone who in the media would be happy to put it out there let's say why tell that person they could go as high as six if you know he's not going because you're then to you're trick the sacramento up. kings into picking them <laughs> but these teams aren't gonna but like, <laughs> like for example there's there's intel going around the league that one team that, that several teams but that you know one team in particular, is interested in acquiring Malcolm Brogdon. And I texted someone with that team who was like, no. So, like, could that person be lying to me? Yeah, but also I trust that person. So then I think, well, if, if, that's the, if that's the rumor, then, like, you know, and also there's another rumor that, like, Indiana thinks they can just make a deal with the Kings. So I'm probably, I'm probably saying too much. But, like, that to me means that the Pacers – Again, I don't know this for certain. This is me piecing together what's real and what's not, like, or trying to at least. To me, that all suggests that the Pacers are on the phone with teams telling them things that they think they have or that they are planning to potentially, you know, explore that might not necessarily be there, but it helps to make other teams, you know, think that maybe because if they were to call, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a team Z and say, Hey, we heard you guys are want to trade for Brogdon. And they're like, no, we don't. Then they could think that a team's lying and not Indiana. So that's the kind of like head spinning aspects of, of the, the whisper down the lane of what's happening right now. But for me to answer your question, Charlie, like 
I, I go on what I know to be logical and, and I trust the people that I trust. Trista, you definitely have a ton of conversations. What's kind of your take on that all? I, I, my interpretation and my like feel on it is people are much more willing to sing about other teams uh, and things that they're hearing. They'll pretty much, in my estimation, that even people that I trust completely, uh, there was some reporting that went down. And I reached out to someone who, this was last year, so I'm not going to say what the reporting is because I think people will be able to piece together who I talked to. Somebody that I've known for a very long time. And I reached out and I was like, hey, I'm going to talk about this. Would you like to comment on it? And they were like, this report is completely bullshit. It's not, there's like no validity in it. And then, you know, I talked to some other people who are around the league and they're like, no, there actually has been, you know, some things said about this particular coach about X, Y, or Z when they were fired. So I I don't trust people talking about their own team pretty much. So no matter how much you like me, I like you, unless it's like 24, like, a long period after the deal has gone down where they're willing to talk about it truthfully uh, in the heat of the moment. I don't think that they will agents. I have a really hard time, time trusting too. All right, Charlie, I got to bump you because we got people in the queue, but thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, Jake, let's try to get one quick question here so we can get to everybody else. How you doing? Jake, are you there? Yep. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. What's up? Cool, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Quick question. Uh, I'm a big Knicks fan, so I probably have a million questions to ask. Uh, one would be just the actual like situation with Mitchell Robinson. Seems like obviously he's like one of the secondary behind like I guess whenever the Aiton situation settles. But the guy's had six agents in like the four years, so it's kind of hard to get a read. But wonder if you heard anything there. Thank you for that question, sir. Um, I haven't heard too, too much as there's a helicopter flying out above my apartment. Um, I haven't heard too, too much about Mitchell Robinson outside of apparently there's interest from Chicago and Detroit. Um, so there hasn't been much yet. I do think, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people around the league think they're like in the non-tax dollar year number. It's going to be curious to see who is and who isn't. He's someone that from my conversations, I would expect would get somewhere around that number. Um, Trista, you got anything on, on Mitch? Any thoughts? I know that, that from what I understand from people I've talked to within, you know, the New York ether, um, Mitch isn't happy with his role and, you know, they have a lot of redundancy on that roster. So it kind of feels like, you know, the writing's on the wall, but nothing in terms of like any deal, like deal terms or what that would look like or what they would package that with in order to make that work. I have heard that, um, and Devin, you can feel free to unmute yourself. I have heard that um, Nerlens Noel is one of the players that the Knicks are the, the most active in discussing right now. He was definitely a part of that three-team deal with Toronto and the Lakers that fell short. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Mitch comes back and Nerlens is out the door and some of those you know, positional questions uh, that you alluded to, Trista, um, are kind of remedied. Yeah. Um, it was that. weird because they ended up re-signing him last offseason, Nerlens Noel, and so I was I was a little bit puzzled about that. Maybe it was because Mitch had injury issues. Yeah, and the Knicks did a bit of what Atlanta did last year in kind of uh, overpaying to run it back a bit, and like then they kind of overreacted to uh, the first-round loss to Atlanta with going after Fournier to try to find more ball-handling help. So, yeah. Devin, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me on. How are you? You got it, man. Doing well. Good. Uh, question. Um, how likely is it? Because uh, I know all these rumors about the Thunder trading their pick. <laughs> how likely is it that they will either trade to the seven to ten range or possibly to the fourth range? That uh, fourth pick. Which one is more likely? Um, Trista, do you really think the Thunder have enough to get up to the fourth pick? To get up to it? Yeah, because think the Kings, I mean, the Kings in theory would only really be looking to move that pick to try to get themselves closer to the postseason. So, I, 
I don't. I mean, unless the Thunder were moving back, that's the only way I see them doing that. Is if they were to well, move. Well, talking it. about getting up, getting up from twelve. The question. Yeah, was, I, I don't, yeah. I don't see them going from twelve to four. What do they have enough to do that? That's not a part of their core, and it feels like, you know, to me, it feels like OKC likes to stash picks, not give things away. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think to answer your question, Devin, just like Krista said. I think getting up to seven would be the most realistic. Um, but if it's going to take Lou Dort, I don't know if that's going to – also to Trish's point, I don't know if that deal is going to get done. Um, so it'll, it'll be curious to see if, if that's something that uh, the Thunder are, you know, uh, willing to do. Um, I mean, by Portland does it, if you can get back another piece to then trade, you know, again – um, I think that's that'd be interesting for the Blazers, but I, I don't at this point, to be honest, like I don't know if the Thunder think that parting with Lou Dort will be worth. Right, we've got we've got Don in the queue. Don, how are you? Hey, can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, I was just wondering if y'all had heard anything about Eric Gordon um, or John Wall potential buyout, uh, and then what teams um, would be interested in trading down maybe for Rockets with 17 and 26? Trista, do you think John Wall gets traded between now and June 29th? Man, so I've heard a lot about what was going on with John Wall, and I haven't discussed it really on the podcast at all. But I heard that some, like, pretty – Wild stuff went down with John um, and another teammate. And I think a couple of teammates that put those other teammates in an unsafe position. And that, you know, the league, it was sort of like, I've, I've heard rumors that it was a an, an informal suspension for the year. Uh, do I know that that's a true 100%? I don't. But it would it would be, I guess, logical to assume that there was something going on because otherwise, why wouldn't Houston move him out? Because I know that the Clippers were looking for a ball handler. We know that there was a possibility to move on uh, from John and maybe get somebody like Russ. Not to say that that would make sense for Houston either, but it, it feels like there's a lot of other things going on with John that are unexplainable unless there's some off-the-court stuff going on. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything of that, um, but I will say that I think to move him, the biggest roadblock is obviously the salary, right? And for the Clipper, like the Clippers, I've been told have interest on the buyout market. Yes, on John Wall. Um, I don't. I I'm struggling to see a, a, a trade where that happens. I mean, I guess like in theory, you know, the, with with. Russ, right? The Gordon Hayward talks were were out there. Like in theory, that'd be a similar framework. But like, I mean, they got Lamelo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know why. I mean, unless it's you know fully salary dumping move. Again, I haven't heard that at all. But that's the really only type of scenario. Unless the Knicks want to try to cobble together, you know, will the Rockets do Evan Evan Fournier and Randall for his deal? Like. And if the only those are the only types of scenarios that happen. I was told from someone with knowledge of the situation uh, back when I wrote it that they believed that Houston and John Wall um, would, uh, you know, find mutual benefit in a buyout if he's not dealt before free agency starts. And a couple people that I further talked to about it believe that to be true as well. But I'll also believe that when I see it, because is he going to really want to give up all that money? Um, you know, maybe he will to actually get back on the court. Cause th- that's what I was told was the biggest issue with him this season was that you know, the Rockets basically have said, like, we're only playing you in the beginning of the year. They're like, we're only playing you limited minutes because you want to really play KPJ and play Jalen green. He said, I want to be a starter. And then they were like, you know what? Then you might as well, you know, not be here at all. Um, that was my kind of understanding of what happened. Um, I definitely Gordon, heard that as well, yeah. Yeah. For Eric Gordon, Don, you know, 
people were kind of skeptical that the Rockets would be able to get a first for Christian Wood. They did that. Um, we'll see if they're able to do it for Eric Gordon. Um, that's the price that they have. We'll see if someone meets it. I know Phoenix fans are clamoring to get Eric Gordon. I don't know how that deal gets done, but something involving Dario Sarge and other salary, but um, they're definitely open and listening. Um, I got that confirmed today by a member of the Rockets front office, but um, uh, yeah, I'm I, 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 we'll see. We'll see if a team matches that asking price. I mean, Trista, what do you think he's worth on the trade market? <sighs> That's uh, that's tough to say. It's tough to say. I think like two seconds is probably more realistic than the first. Um, yeah, I mean, and if it, if he's if you're going to a contender too, which I know that Phoenix and Milwaukee were both, I think, kicking the tires on. I don't think you want to give up a first round for a guy who hasn't really been competing, despite how good PJ Tucker was when he was traded. All right, Don. Uh, can I, can I... Oh, oh, Don. I'm sorry. Um, all right, I, I, I want to run through the the comments. I'm sorry, Don. Really sorry. Um, okay, we got three minutes left. We're trying to rock through this. Um, I'm going to start with answer 99's question here. Uh, where did it go? Jake, what would it take for Portland to move up? Any chance of these top three teams moving back? Um, why did Sharp and Murray work out with Orlando? I think Orlando just casting a wide net and doing their quote unquote due diligence. Don't think Portland's moving up. That just doesn't seem likely at all. Trista, would you be shocked if they moved up? I would be absolutely stunned if they moved up. I would be more, more, um, I guess like it, it's more normal if they traded the pick away completely and didn't have a first round pick. That's more on brand. I see Grant Shirley said just joined. Did they give any Hawks related updates? That was after our Hawks thing for anyone listening. Uh, this podcast will be recorded and it will be on the call on app and it'll be on the podcast, uh, Apple, Apple podcast app. And it'll be on Spotify. Um, please don't aggregate this and you can subscribe to the feed here in the app and get push notifications in about an hour before we're going live. And every time I do schedule a show. Um, so that is a program we note for you there. Do I hear anything about the number one pick from Amar OKC? Everyone is definitely working under the assumption that it is Jabari Smith. Um, do you think OKC is truly only thinking Chet if Jabari goes one? No. I think Paolo Bonchero is definitely in the mix. Trista, do you have a Paolo Chet Holmgren take? Yeah, I do. I think Paolo is going to be the best player in this draft. I saw him live. Bang. There it and is. I'm like, I saw him, and he's a, a, man, a man amongst boys. The ball is tiny in his hand. He barely has to jump in order to make threes. He's I think he was used incorrectly at Duke. I think he's going to be really, really surprising how good he can be. My one fear is that he becomes like a better version of Julius Randle, but Julius Randle, when he was really good, was most improved player. But I really like Paolo a lot. Speaking of the Knicks, how likely are they and R.J. Barrett to get an extension on this offseason? I think it's very likely. Um, I mean, he's going to want to be compensated, but he played – I mean, he was their best player on the stretch and was their most consistent player all year long. Tibbs loves him. Staff loves him. Hard worker. I think they will get an extension completed. Uh, Trista, how much would you pay RJ? Woo! A lot. I think there's a lot of room upside for him. He's going to be only get better as a shooter. That was the one knock, I think, coming in. I think he's going to get just, I think, a little less than max, but I think it'll be close. What do you say? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think ultimately uh, – <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading up the comments. I think ultimately he's going to get something over 20 easily. Without oh, doubt. yeah. Yeah. Um, the comment I laughed at was today an article in The Athletic came out where Travis Schlank tried to walk back some of his comments about dramatic changes. Do you believe that his comments hurt his leverage? I'm sure uh, – not sure, but my educated guess would be some of those comments would be, to, you know, I'm sure it's not great for his players to just be hearing their names left and right, so – um, I would sure I would think it's mostly that than leverage. You know how motivated you are to make a deal is only only a weakness point if you let it be right. Like if you tell your opponent this is this is what our valuation is. You know if they try to think and, and act like like in my dynasty fantasy football league, 
this week. I got a random trade request or trade proposal for Alvin Kamara on my roster. And I was like, look, I'm not really that interested in parting with him. You're going to have to wow me. And this person who sent me the offer then tried to shit all over Alvin Kamara. And I'm like, well, if you want him so badly, then why is he so bad? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So not, not to say I'm I'm an expert negotiator, but like that's to say that just because Travis Schlenk says something in the media doesn't mean he can't act differently behind the scenes with people on the phone. Um, what we're over the hour, but we're gonna hit a couple more here because um, I know Tris is tied down to hang. I am. Um, what what teams, players are, are Philly looking for Green in the twenty third pick package? Um, I don't know any specific um, you know guy out there, but I mean, let's let's do the math. Like they're gonna be looking for some type of starter level player, probably you know more of a three four because they've got Harden and Maxi and Embiid. And someone who can shoot and defend. Um, so, I mean, I wrote it today in the article, like someone like an Andrew Wiggins, which is amazing that he's had this kind of renaissance moment. But, I mean, and that's probably probably the upper echelon of the player they're going to be able to get. Um, someone like that, I think, is ultimately, you know, they want like a fourth starter type of guy. Someone who could, in theory, you know, bump Tybal down the rotation or, 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 or replace Tybal. Um, that's, that is where... I'm at. I mean, Tristan, do you see any guys who were logical uh, partners there? I mean, Danny Green's coming off of an ACL and another L injury and the 23rd pick for a wing that can shoot and defend. I think they're going to need to do more. Like, I think that you're going to need to do more in order to get, like, somebody that's the the wish version of Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion. Like, that that's yeah. not enough for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think back to Don, who I booted preemptively, but I thought we were done and I wanted to get to the comments. I think we were going to say we didn't answer your part of your question about 17 and 26, maybe moving up. And I do see a question here in the comments about, do I think the Rockets keep pick 26? When that happened, you know, a lot of people on the league were definitely like, okay, we're now aware that Houston in theory has a package to move up. I just don't see like the Grizzlies are a team that I know would love to move up, but I don't, I've been told there's not, you know, much track in there. Um, so I don't see, and it's also from the other bits of intel I have out there. I don't see other teams that are looking to move down for more picks in this draft. Like the Hornets at 15, they want to trade it for a guy. The Knicks in theory would like to trade up or trade that pick for a guy. If they don't stay there, the Wizards would in theory want to, if they trade that pick, it's for somebody I don't see anyone wanting to trade down to get multiple picks in this draft. It's just, I think it's going to be difficult to move up, but I think if you want to trade to move up a couple spots on draft night, like maybe that could happen. But like right now, I don't think we're going to see like someone saying, Oh, here's 17 and 26 to get me to 13 or to get me to 14 where the calves are. Um, But on draft night could, you maybe trade a second pick for like, you know, future stuff or, you know, make it, maybe it's a three team deal where the pick goes elsewhere. Like that's certainly possible once things are on the clock and people are trying to get their guy, but I don't see a clean, like someone wants to trade back to get uh, two picks in this draft type of deal. Um, Trista, anything else before I let you go? Do you have a question for me? I I do. I have a bunch of questions, but we can go real quick. Let me just see. What happened with the with Quinn Snyder? <laughs> well, ultimately, I think Quinn decided that he didn't think this machination of the Jazz was going to, you know, really get it done, and he was the guy to do it. And that there's going to be some painful things happening in terms of trades and you know, whatever, moving forward to ultimately get there. And I just think he wanted to wipe his hands clean of the situation, regroup. So, and everyone who I know around him says that guy needs to get some sleep. Um, and ultimately he's going to be the hottest name on the coaching market whenever he comes back. I don't want to uh, say he's like Tibbs at all by any stretch, but when Tibbs came back on the market after um, uh, the Chicago situation, like he was the hottest name out there, right? Um, right. So it'll be like that. Like when he is ultimately available, um, I think he will have a long list of suitors. And, you know, there was not many head coaching openings this year. Um, 
around the league, people are definitely saying that there should, in theory, be a couple more next season. I'm not going to say them right now. I think I'm going to save that maybe for an article down the line. But, you know, smart smart fans out there and TV readers can, can probably guess a few. Quick follow-up. Um, quick follow-up. Yeah. Do you think uh, do you think that the Jazz move Rudy, Donovan, both, or neither? They're definitely not moving Donovan unless he requests a trade, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, you know, Rudy, this could sound like a hedge, but I really do think it's like 50-50, 60-40, because I think ultimately if they don't find a package back that they think is worth it, I think they're very happy to keep him. I think a lot of people there would be, um, you know, so we shall see what happens ultimately, but that's the thing that I always find funny about the conversation around all these trade frameworks that we discussed that don't get done. You know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of the times deals just don't get completed. So there's a very real scenario where Rudy Gobert doesn't get moved and it's really something that's been explored, but I can assure you it's being explored. Nice. All right. Is that it? That's it for me. All right. I'm sorry to Paolo and Jay, but we'll be back on Tuesday at sometime around this time with the great SI NBA draft insider Jeremy Wu. Um, We'll talk all your questions. I'm sure we'll have more info. I'll definitely have a notebook coming out at Bleacher Report before then. Um, Trista, thank you as always. You're the best. Um, Thank you to everyone who tuned in and asked me questions. Um, Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy game six tonight. Um, That's all I got. Enjoy the beach, Jake. We will see you soon. Thank you. Take care. See you guys. Bye.